truth and that hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand with us as we sing out and worship our risen Savior. Let's sing this out. Glorious light. He has come for us as we celebrate him. Another song before we are seated. A great Christmas carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Let's sing this out and worship our Savior this morning.
singing, you can be seated. It's really fun to be together as a church family on Christmas Eve morning. Unusual, doesn't happen very often, but it's appropriate for us to be together for worship on this day. You know that Christmas included the first Christmas, the arrival of Jesus in human form, that first Christmas morning, included a lot of worship. There was a lot of worship that was going on. I want to just remind you of a little bit of that worship that was happening during that time and just encourage you to be thinking about these things for the next few minutes and then we'll look into the Word of God briefly this morning in a little bit. Zacharias, do you remember Zacharias? This is where the Christmas story really begins in earnest in Luke chapter 1. Zacharias was going to be the father of John the baptizer. And he said this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Of course, you remember in Luke chapter 2, the angels, when they were announcing to the shepherds the birth of the Savior, they said, glory to God in the highest. We just sang this a moment ago. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The shepherds, once they had seen the baby in the manger as they were told to find him, Scripture says they returned glorifying and praising God. Zacharias blessing God. The angels, glory to God. The shepherds praising God. When Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to the temple, Simeon met them there. And remember Simeon, he had been told that he would not die before he had met the Messiah. And he recognized Jesus right away and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. He's talking about Jesus and the glory of thy people Israel. A few minutes later, Anna, a prophetess, meets them. And scripture says that she ah, served God faithfully with fastings and prayer night and day. And at that instant, she came in giving thanks likewise unto the Lord and spoke of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Sometime later, you're familiar with the Magi who visited in Matthew chapter 1. And it says, when they heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and did what? They worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So it is right for God's people this morning on Christmas Eve morning to do what? To worship, to, to express our appreciation, not only for who Jesus is, the Savior, but for God loving us enough to send his son to die for our sins. The most significant worship of all i think we find in luke chapter one and that is the worship of mary and here's why i i tell you this morning that i think it was significant because to her christmas was personal it was costly it was expensive for mary there was sacrifice involved and if you look through scripture you'll notice that sacrifice and worship often go together and we rightfully so, purposefully try not to give Mary too much attention. But I want to think about her this morning because for her, Christmas was different. For everybody else in the story, a lot like us, 
Christmas was a celebration, but not a lot of personal sacrifice. For Mary, it was her life on the line. It was her reputation. It was her engagement. It was her body. It was her future. It was personal. And for Mary, it was costly. And yet, she too celebrated God during this moment. She celebrated the opportunity to be used by the Lord for His eternal purposes. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary says this, My soul does magnify the Lord, makes much of who God is, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. To her, even though it was costly, it was wonderful. God was going to use Mary in the most unique and special way to bring about his master plan. And she was grateful to be a part of that master plan. Earlier, when Gabriel was speaking to her, she said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. In other words, just do whatever he wants to do. Whatever the Lord wants, I'm great with that plan. So in a moment, after I pray, I'm going to invite the kids to come up for a special story. Mr. Zachert's going to come in just a moment and read a special story that has kind of this lesson to it. And that is, Lord, use me for your master plan. This story is about three trees. And it is similar to Mary's story in this way. For a tree to be used by a carpenter... Think about it for a moment. For a tree to be used by a carpenter, it must be sacrificed. It must give up its own life. And if a tree had desires, it must give up its own desires and literally lay itself down for the master's use. This is what Mary did. This is what our story is about. Let me pray for us and then I have Mr. Zachert and the kids that want to come up front for a special story. Lord, thank you that we as a church family get to gather together this morning on Christmas Eve. What a special thing for us to do, to not only hold on to and love one another today, but to lift up your Son and to worship you for your incredible gift. Paul said this, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And Lord, we realize this morning that we as humans, we fall so far short of even expressing the gift that was wrapped up in Jesus. But today we thank you for it. We ask that you would teach us the lessons you have for us from your word. May this Christmas be special because this Christmas in our minds and hearts as a church is all about your son, Jesus. Help us as we worship him. We pray in his name. Amen. Mr. Zachary, come on up and take the special chair. And uh, kids, come on up if you want. There's a spot to sit up on the rug. If you can come up and sit kind of quiet on the rug. Come on up. If you're a kid or you think you're a kid, come on up. Oh, (laughs) there you go. Come on up. Sit on the rug. Get up nice and close to Mr. Zachert. Can you scoot right up there? Scoot up nice and close. kids good to see you this morning we have a nice group of kids here today and we have a special story to tell to you today this is a story called a tale of three trees 
Now, there's pictures that go along with this story, and I think you can see the pictures up in the screens if you want to look at the pictures. So let's all be very quiet as I read this story to you, okay? It starts out this way. Once upon a mountaintop, three little trees stood and dreamed of what they wanted to become when they grew up. The first tree looked up at the stars, twinkling like diamonds above him. I want to hold treasure, he said. I want to be covered with gold and filled with precious stones. I want to be the most beautiful treasure chest in the world. The second little tree looked out at a small stream trickling by on its way to the ocean. I want to be a strong sailing ship, he said. I want to travel mighty waters and carry powerful kings. I will be the strongest ship in the world. The third little tree looked down into the valley below where busy men and busy women worked in a busy town. I don't want to leave this mountaintop at all, she said. I want to grow so tall that when people stop to look at me, they will raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. I will be the tallest tree in the world. Years passed. The rains came, the sun shone, and the little trees grew tall. One day, three woodcutters climbed the mountain. The first woodcutter looked at the first tree and said, This tree is beautiful. It is perfect for me. With a swoop of his shining axe, the first tree fell. Now I shall be made into a beautiful chest, thought the first tree. I shall hold wonderful treasure. The second woodcutter looked at the second tree and said, This tree is strong. It is perfect for me. With a swoop of his shining axe, the second tree fell. Now I shall sail mighty waters, thought the second tree. I shall be a strong ship fit for kings. The third tree felt her heart sink when the last woodcutter looked her way. She stood straight and tall and pointed bravely to heaven. But the woodcutter never even looked up. Any kind of tree will do for me, he muttered. With a swoop of his shining axe, the third tree fell. The first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter brought him to a carpenter's shop. But the busy carpenter was not thinking about treasure chests. Instead, his work-worn hands fashioned the tree into a feed box for animals. The once beautiful tree was not covered with gold or filled with treasure. He was coated with sawdust and filled with hay for hungry farm animals. The second tree smiled when the woodcutter took him to a shipyard. But no mighty sailing ships were being made that day. Instead, the once strong tree was hammered and sawed into a simple fishing boat. Too small and too weak to sail an ocean or even a river, he was taken to a little lake. Every day, he brought in loads of dead, smelly fish. The third tree was confused when the woodcutter cut her into strong beams and left her in a lumber yard. What happened, the once tall tree wondered. All I ever wanted to do was to stay on the mountaintop and point to God. Many, many days and nights passed. The three trees nearly forgot about their dreams. But one night, golden starlight poured over the first tree, 
as a young woman placed her newborn baby in the feed box. I wish I could make a cradle for him, her husband whispered. The mother squeezed his hand and smiled as the starlight shone on the smooth and sturdy wood. This manger is beautiful, she said. And suddenly the first tree knew he was holding the greatest treasure in the world. One evening, a tired traveler and his friends crowded into an old fishing boat. The traveler fell asleep as the second tree quietly sailed out into the lake. Soon, a thundering and thrashing storm arose. The little tree shuddered. He knew he did not have the strength to carry so many passengers safely through the wind and rain. The tired man awakened. He stood up, stretched out his hand, and said, Peace. The storm stopped as quickly as it had begun. And suddenly the second tree knew he was carrying the king of heaven and earth. One Friday morning, the third tree was startled when her beams were yanked from the forgotten woodpile. She flinched as she was carried through an angry, jeering crowd. She shuddered when the soldiers nailed a man's hands to her. She felt ugly and harsh and cruel. But on Sunday morning, when the sun rose and the earth trembled with joy beneath her, the third tree knew that God's love had changed everything. It had made the first tree beautiful. It had made the second tree strong. And every time people thought of the third tree, they would think of, and every, every time people thought of the third tree, they would think of God. And that was better than being the tallest tree in the world. Thank you, Mr. Zachert. Thank you, kids. Great job. You guys can come back down and find your folks. I want you to think about that lesson. Think about the lesson of the three trees. Jeremy and Ainsley are going to come and sing.
That's what we're celebrating at Christmas time, and that's what we celebrate every Sunday morning, really lift up Jesus and celebrate who he is. Specifically, we'll be doing that in the coming year on a weekly basis, and we look forward to doing that together as a church family. There's an old poem written over a hundred years ago that's been set to music entitled In the Bleak Midwinter, and it has a, a series of lines that say this, what can I give him? Poor as I am. You think about the Magi. I don't have any gold, frankincense, myrrh, or anything really valuable to give to the Lord. If I were a shepherd, the poem says, I would bring a lamb. If I was a wise man, I'd do my part. Yet what can I give him? I would give him my, do you know what? My heart. I would give him my heart. This is the sacrifice of praise that God looks for from people. Well, Will people give me themselves? Will they give me their heart? That is the sacrifice that Mary demonstrated, and we talked about briefly this morning, and that we are called to give. I want you to think years later, again, for a moment, to Jesus preaching. We see these words of Jesus in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each of these Gospels repeat these words from Luke 9:23. And Jesus said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Here's what Jesus, I think, would say to us if he walked in and saw that 
banner up on the wall, he'd say this, hey, church, you want to follow me? You got to give up yourself. You got to deny yourself like Mary did. You have to give up your life, your dreams, your agenda, your reputation, your future. You have to have the attitude of John the baptizer that we talked about last week. He must increase. I must decrease his glory. My sacrifice. Are you willing to do this as we follow Jesus in 2024? Are you willing to sacrifice self that we might elevate his agenda? We talk often about the priorities of Jesus. And what Mary literally demonstrated for us in her worship was to say, look, my priorities no longer matter. It is just the priorities of God. I'm just a vessel. Please use me to do your agenda. I want to look at a little more detail of her worship for just a few minutes this morning. But first of all, I want to give you a little background. We talked about Zacharias. He was a righteous man that was serving as a priest in the temple of God in Jerusalem. He and his wife, Elizabeth, were told by an angelic messenger that they were going to have a baby. And this baby, John, was going to have an incredibly important role of preparing the way for Messiah. We know him as John the baptizer. And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel comes to her cousin Mary and announces the arrival of Messiah. This happens in Luke 1 and 2. And he he tells um, her, tells Mary that Elizabeth is expecting. And so Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And when she arrives, they're both like overwhelmed and excited about what God is doing Thousands of years, think about this from these women's perspective, thousands of years of history and prophecy are culminating in their womb. And as a result, Mary breaks out in spontaneous worship. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 46, here's what scripture says. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. We read that earlier. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. If you just read through that, it's, it's such beautiful writing from Luke, the gospel writer. And maybe you're familiar enough with it that as we read through it, we just think, well, that sounds pretty. That's that's nice worship. But I want to just take a few minutes to think about what she was actually saying, because what she was saying reflects the attitude that God calls his people to have today, 2000 years later. And it's the attitude that I think we should walk out those doors with as we go and enjoy lunch with family and our Christmas Eve traditions and Christmas Day tomorrow and all that the week ahead entails. This is the attitude of true believers. I want you to see what Mary was so excited about. Number one, she was excited about the gospel. You know the gospel, right? That's the good news that God is sending his son to be the savior of the world. She was excited about the gospel. She magnified the Lord and rejoiced in this fact. She knew God was saving people. She says in this verse, 
I rejoice in God my Savior. Now the truth is that she was a little bit confused on this. We know she was confused because as we go through the Gospels, we see Mary trying to figure it out. Like, what does it mean that he's Savior? Is he going to save us from the Romans? Is he going to save us from our sins like the angels said? Like, what does it mean that he's our Savior? And she no doubt pondered on this truth. The angel had said to her, he, um, that, or to Joseph, that she, Mary, will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from her sins. Luke chapter 2, Mary's watching the events of that first Christmas. She sees these shepherds come in. She's probably a little bewildered by these dirty guys coming in from the fields like, hey, we heard that he's the Messiah. We want to worship him. She's no, no, wonder, no, no doubt bewildered by the wise men that come. Luke chapter 2 verse 19 says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. If you study the writing of the Gospels, most scholars believe that Luke actually wrote his Gospel after interviewing a lot of the participants. He was a doctor, very meticulous in his writing. It's a totally different writing style. And he has lots of details about Jesus as a young man. And he highlights the role of women in the ministry of Jesus, unlike any of the other gospel writers. And scholars believe that Luke probably came in after the fact and interviewed them, actually said to Mary, Mary, tell me about the message from the angel. Tell me how you felt. Tell me about your visit to Elizabeth. What did you think? What did you say? And if that's true, by that time, Mary had had some time to think about it. Like, we don't know if Luke miraculously, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote down this worship song of Mary, just knew it, that's possible. It's also possible that he sat down with Mary and Mary said, you know, Luke, early on, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I didn't know what it meant when she said he's going to, or when he said he's going to save his people from their sins. I, I didn't know what it meant. But then I watched him live and I watched him minister and I heard him preach and I watched him die and I saw him ascend. And, and now I get it, Luke. Like, this is what the worship of my heart wanted to say. And maybe then and there, years later, Mary busted out with this song and Luke probably grabbed his quills like, hold on a second, go slower. I want to write down every single word. What does Christmas mean to you, Mary? Number one... God is saving people. God has sent a Savior. He's good on His promise to save people from their sins. Mary was celebrating this, and it's just really easy for us to get wrapped up in other stuff, right? I mean, not just presents and food and whatnot that comes with Christmas, but just, I'm talking about even bigger. Like, it's easy for us to get all excited about ourselves our problems, our views, our opinions, our talents, our schedules, our families, our accomplishments, our plans, our desires, our goals. And here's what Mary said. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I want to make a big deal about God's agenda. He has sent his son to save people. And so I'm going to magnify that. I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to worship on that. I think Mary would have been one of those participants in a worship service that you'd have been able to see the worship on her face and probably on her hands as she was thinking, you know what? God is saving people. This is unbelievable. This is amazing. And by the way, 2023 has been a year at First Baptist Church where we've seen people saved. 
We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen people say, you know what? I'm done with my sin. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be baptized and make a public profession of it. I want to make this discipleship thing real in my life. And if that doesn't excite us, church, our, our worshiper is broken. This is where it begins that God is still saving people. Can you amen that truth? God is still saving people, and he wants to do so in 2024, should he tarry his return. Mary said, my soul magnifies, not me, my soul magnifies the Lord. There's actually an interesting interchange that happens years later in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus is preaching away, and obviously the crowd is just like, man, this This guy is amazing. I mean, every word he says, it sounds like it's coming right out of the mouth of God. And this woman in the audience says, Blessed is the womb that bare thee. And Jesus says, hold on a second. (laughs) Yeah, Mary was great. Okay, she's a nice mom. But here's what Jesus actually says. Yea, rather, blessed are those that hear these words of God and do them. Blessed, rather, is the person who hears what I have to say, the message I have from God, and keep it. God saved you. God is ready to save others. This ought to cause us to magnify him and to magnify Jesus. This is something the church should get excited about. Because in 2024, God wants to use you to give out the gospel of Jesus. Have you thought about that? It's not about your church. It's about you. I was thinking about this just this last week as we were interacting with old friends and some new asking about, hey, what is your church like? And I'm proud of you as a church, I think in a healthy way. Like I said, my church is happy and it's excited about lifting up Jesus and loves the Bible and loves one another and all of those things. And I was having this conversation with somebody and I was thinking to myself, yeah, Brad, but what about you? Are you happy in Jesus? Are you lifting up Jesus? Because it's one thing to say, hey, my church is great. I love my church. But what about me personally? Am I sharing the message of Christ? Am I discipling others? Am I sacrificing for advancing his kingdom? What about you? Mary said, hey, I'm excited about the fact that God is still saving people. Number two, Mary was grateful to be used. Verse 48, he is regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, Mary said. From henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. God looked at Mary and wanted to use her for his purpose. And she said, yes, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, whatever you want, be it unto me according to your word. Yes, I've got plans. You ever ever notice this about human nature? Like our plans and our opinion and our agenda is pretty important. Everybody else's plans are like, eh. Yeah, that's okay. But for me, super important, right? So when we think about Mary, we might think, you know, I don't know if she had much plans. She lived in the first century. What did she even have to do? It was pretty, life was pretty simple. But can I just tell you, for Mary, it was all, that was her life, right? She had plans. She had a future she was thinking about. She wanted to raise children with Joseph and be happy and create a home and have this beautiful life together. And here it was being completely disrupted. But Mary said, I want to do, God, whatever you want to do. Whatever your plans are, that's what I want. Just like the trees in our story this morning, God's plan is better than your plan. Let him use you. Paul said in Romans chapter 9, Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, 
why have you made me this way? It's kind of a ridiculous question, right? He's talking about pottery, actually. He said, can a piece of pottery actually say, hey, guy that's running the wheel over there, why did you make me this way? What was your deal? No, a piece of pottery says, hey, whatever the master wants, that's what I'm going to do. This is what we're called to do as well. This is what Mary demonstrated for us. I brought a, a piece of wood today. I like to work with wood. But think how ridiculous it would be if this wood wanted to assert its opinion on how I used it over my opinion. That would be pretty ridiculous, wouldn't it? A piece of wood is simply there to be used by the craftsman however he wants to use it. And there's no telling how it might get used. This isn't a stack of wood. This came from a stack of wood downstairs in the maintenance closet. That stack has every little piece of recent church history you can imagine in it. There's no telling when somebody comes down and grabs that piece of wood what it's going to be used to do. And that's exactly the same for us. There's no telling what God wants to do with you to advance his priorities. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness and has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that God, the God who gave us Jesus Put this treasure, this message, in earthen vessels, humans, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul said, look, here's the deal. The gospel message is unbelievably awesome. There's no way to quantify it. And then you got this kind of a piece of dirt like me, Paul, carrying that message around and trying to share it with as many people as possible. And the reason God put such an important message in such a lowly vessel is so that he would get all the glory. That's exactly the attitude that Mary's saying. I can't believe God would notice me. I can't believe God would want to use me. He's got this big agenda going on of saving people and he wants to use me Mary was excited and grateful to be used in the process. And then lastly, Mary's focus was on her God. Can I just challenge you today to have this kind of focus? I'm going to read verses 49 to 55 again with you. Would you hang with me for just a second? I want you to think about how many times she references God. Right? Here's what she says. For he, speaking of God, that is mighty has done great things. And holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake unto our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Think about this from Mary's perspective. Mary could have easily said in her little worship time, Wow, I must be pretty special. I mean, of all the girls in all the world, he chose moi. Right? Mary could have said that. That's not what she said. She said, Wow, what a great God. His mercy, his goodness, his grace, his timing, his purpose, His plan, his salvation, it is all about him. Mary's life was really on the very edge right here. Think about this. She was pregnant, out of wedlock. She was innocent. This circumstance could devastate her. 
And yet what she said was, I'm just here to be used, God. You want to do something crazy in me and through me? Then please do it. Notice how she highlights God. And I'm just going to point these out to you real quickly. His greatness in verse 49. His holiness in verse 49. His mercy in verse 50. His strength, verse 51. His power, verse 52. His provision, verse 53. His help, verse 54. His promises, verse 55. She was so enamored by the goodness of God that she worshipped. And she immediately made a connection I want to help you make today. Okay, you ready? Here's the message in a nutshell. This is it. Here's the connection that Mary made. This is why her heart spontaneously worshipped God. This is why she automatically made a big deal about what God was doing. Because number one, she realized that God was saving people and that he wanted to use her. God was saving people and he wanted to use her. And when he used her, he would get more glory. God could have used those angels, right? That angel choir that came to the shepherds, he could have just kept using them for the next couple thousand years to share the message of Jesus. But he didn't. He used lowly humans, starting with Mary. God is saving people. He wants to use me in the process. He gets more glory when he does it this way. So here's Mary's conclusion. I'm all in. I'm all in. Like the trees in the story we heard this morning. So can I challenge you with a New Testament concept from Romans chapter 12 as we think about the baby in a manger, Jesus, coming to save his people from their sins? Paul said, because of the mercies of God, I beg you, I implore you to present your body, your life, as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. Would you present yourself to God this Christmas? I mean, I think this would be a great way to conclude a Christmas Eve morning service that in my mind and heart, I'd say, Lord, you know what? You've done so much for me. Everything I've got is from you. And so in this coming year, everything I've got is for you. I present my body, my life, like Mary, as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto you. This is my reasonable service. Trees, when they're cut down, make an ultimate sacrifice. You've heard, no doubt, the comparison between a pig and a chicken. For breakfast, chicken makes a sacrifice, a little bit, gives up an egg. But a pig makes the ultimate sacrifice to give bacon, right? There's a different level of giving there. And Mary demonstrates this higher level where she says, look, I'm willing to give up everything I've got. I'm willing to be used completely. I'm willing for my life to be a living sacrifice. Use me, Lord. Glorify you. Use me. Glorify you. Save people. Could you say those three things with me? Use me. Glorify you. Save people. Try using your finger to help you. Ready? Use me. Glorify you and save people. When we do that, with that attitude, we worship like Mary. I challenge you to do that this Christmas. Father, thank you for your word, for your truth. Thank you this morning for Jesus. Thank you for the account that we have in Scripture, the details 
that we can enjoy during our celebration of how you worked miraculously through the angel messengers and through the virgin conception and, Lord, through the magi and the shepherds and everybody that was involved, what you were doing in Joseph's life and Mary's life and the worship that we see, Lord. There's just so many things that our hearts are full of your goodness and your, your plan in sending your son not just to be born, but to live a perfect life and to die for our sins. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as Savior, that has never put their faith in Jesus, what a day to be saved. What a day to receive that promise that Joseph received, that Jesus was coming to save people from their sins. Lord, if you want to save somebody from their sins today, would you help them to put their faith and trust in Jesus alone? to repent from their sin and to follow Christ. Lord, we ask that you would work in hearts this morning, that those of us that do know you, those of us that have given our lives to Jesus, would truly be a living sacrifice in 2024 for your glory. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Stand together as we close today, continuing to celebrate Jesus, our Savior. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. important thing our church can communicate with you is the gospel message. The word gospel means good news. The trouble with most good news is that it isn't really good until you see it relative to bad news. The discovery of a new cure isn't all that helpful unless you or a loved one has the disease that it cures. In the same way, the good news of Jesus is good when it is understood in relation to the bad news of our own sin. We are all sinners. That's the disease we are all born with. And Jesus is the cure. The good news that everyone can live forever with God in heaven, not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus did in our place. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
the truth that everyone, everywhere, at all times in history needs to hear is that salvation is only possible by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you be willing to pray something like this and mean what you pray from your heart? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can do nothing to earn forgiveness and make myself right with you. Instead of dying for my own sins, I want to trust Christ and his death on the cross as payment for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my way and make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that those that repent from their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in this way shall be saved. Would you believe on him today? And if you did trust Christ today, if you did pray a prayer like the one suggested a moment ago and you really meant it, would you let us know? We want to help you grow in your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have more questions about putting your faith in Christ and we have great resources to help you with that. The Exchange Bible Study is a four-week study on the character of God that will answer most of your questions about the gospel. We have men and women ready and waiting to go through that with you in person or virtually, depending on your situation. Maybe you put your faith in Christ today, or, or maybe you did years ago, but you feel like you've not grown in your faith. We want to help you with that as well. We have literally hundreds of helpful resources and dozens of believers ready to walk with you through them. Let us know how we can best encourage your journey of faith in Christ using one of the contact methods listed below. Jesus Christ loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. May God bless you as you seek to live your life for his honor and for his glory.